Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Ty from Breaker Culture, proud members of the BenchClear Media team. Today, I have a great conversation for you. Uh, I sit down with Darren Herman, who is a venture capitalist, has been working for a couple prominent VC firms over the past 10 plus years, and really comes at the sports card market from a, a really unique perspective. Got back into the hobby, was a collector growing up, got back into the hobby about a year ago. We, we listened to that story. You can read more about that in some of his articles. Um, but we just break down really what his perspective is on the hobby, both from a um, venture capitalist perspective, you know, where's the money going, where's the opportunity, and from a collector's perspective, you know, what has him concerned? Where would he be focusing his attention? And um, I think it's very fascinating. Again, we we hear all these different angles, right, about how the market's growing. You got investors over here. You got hobbyists here. You got little segments here that are growing and popping, and, and you're starting to see a lot of these pull back. You know, it's it's important to to learn from other instances of, of asset markets and uh, figure out what we we believe can happen in the sports car world. And so we talk a lot about that. It's very much uh, economic focus. It's very much um, marketplace focus. And if you're interested in kind of getting a different perspective on where the market could go, uh, you know, you'll want to listen to this. I found Darren because I was looking through Twitter, saw a couple of articles pop up. He wrote one about the $1 billion market cap, and he gave a market cap roadmap that you can look at that shows kind of his perspective of different buckets in the hobby. And then he talked about um, just the sports car marketplace being at an all-time high and what that means and really for folks that are just getting into it, um, what the response should be. So anyway, enjoy this conversation with Darren. Uh, again, gets pretty technical, but I think, uh, again, if you're, you're putting your money into the hobby, you should you should get every possible angle to make sure you're making an educated decision, okay? Uh, now, real quick, before we jump into this, uh, two things, uh, two great sponsors for this podcast. One, uh, we've been mentioning them for weeks, ExpressVPN. I cannot iterate enough how important it is to protect yourself this day and age with, uh, with the things that you're doing, uh, both in and out of the hobby, right? You're logging into your banking site, you're logging into eBay, PayPal, you name it, Square, uh, you need to protect yourself. And one of the easiest ways, the most convenient ways of doing that is by using a, a VPN. A VPN simply scrambles and protects the data that's being transferred um, over your connection. And so you, you, can, you can click the link in the show notes and you'll see ExpressVPN. Uh, you'll get a month free uh, for signing up using our, our link. And uh, look, you can try it out, see if you like it, but it's it's really simple, guys. I log in in the morning when I'm when I'm browsing and doing stuff that's important. I click connect and it connects me to the nearest spot, the nearest hotspot for, uh, for a VPN connection. And it scrambles things and I know that I'm doing things protected. Super, super simple. The second sponsor and our newest sponsor, and we're super stoked about this, is, is Pastime Marketplace. If you're buying graded, if you're if you're holding graded, and if you want to store graded, you need to protect your assets. And Pastime Marketplace puts together incredibly good card cases. They put together graded card cases that protect your assets. 
And we talked about him during the Hobby Palooza. Mike has talked about him on his show. Jeff has some protecting his cards. And um, look, Bill over there is, is just a great guy and working really hard to put together stuff that the hobby wants. And he's always innovating and trying to come up with things that he thinks uh, make sense for, for hobbyists when they're, when they're collecting and, and storing their graded cards. So go check them out. Pastime Marketplace, use code BENCHCLEAR for 10% off your first order and go try one of those cases uh, to protect your PSA or BGS graded cards. I, I can guarantee that you will not be disappointed. All right, on to the conversation with Derek. Enjoy. Darren, how you doing, man? Happy to be here. You know, how, how can you be bad these days? That's right. We're, uh, it's a Thursday night. Sports are on. Playoffs are on. And we're talking yeah. about sports cards. I mean, my gosh, does life get any better? It's, uh, you know, minus that health thing that we got going on. You know, life's pretty good. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man. Well, well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. I know the evenings with both of us have kids. Sometimes it can be a little tough, but I appreciate you making some time if, if they walk in or we hear them, all the power to it. But uh, isn't it funny? It is, like, it's the new norm, right? Like you almost expect it. If it doesn't happen, you're like, wait, what's this guy doing with his family? <laughs> well, so it like right here is like the printer uh, in this cabinet. And I'm on like business calls all day with video. And, you know, when the kids are doing school from home and they got to print things, they, they don't even like knock on the door. They just come right in. And it's like, hello. And I'm like, oh, say hi to. You know, exactly. and hey boss it is what it is exactly <laughs> were you were you a zoom user before covid i feel like there's a, a massive group of people that had no idea what zoom was before covid so i uh you know fortunately or you know whatever i i worked in tech uh for uh, i worked at a, a big tech company for a while yeah. and we were global and there were no telephones and everything was a video chat and when i went there in 2016, like I, I, I was so used to the telephone, but now yeah. everything was like, like video. And it took me like three months to like, like get used to it. Um, but then when I got used to it, it was like, holy cow, I would not go back. Like, this is the perfect, you know, you get to engage with someone. Yeah. And uh, then when I went to finance uh, uh, and investing, um, you know, we went back to telephones. But about a year and a half ago, we brought in sort of Zoom as sort of our daily, you know, routine, just by chance. And so now this is like second nature. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's great. But I definitely get Zoom fatigue by the end of the day. But because we're talking about sports cards, I won't get Zoom fatigue. <laughs> well, I'll, just one final thought on that. I, I, the company I worked with was was a combination of GoToMeeting and Microsoft Teams. We had groups using Skype. And it's funny how so quickly different organizations consolidated on one platform, mostly Zoom. It's like, get rid of all this crap. Now we actually have yeah. to use something that works. Yes. <laughs> Good for Zoom. That's the reason why their stock market's exploded. But anyway, uh, well, man, I, I, I came across your article, I want to say about a month ago. Um, it was the one you wrote on, it's on September 3rd. You wrote one before that too. But, and I saw the title and it was Sports Car Markets at an All-Time High. Let me explain what I've learned through digital innovation. And I saw that and that obviously stuck out to me just with my background. Yep. Um, it's a fascinating article, but you. You, have a, you have a unique perspective. So I want to give you kind of the floor to tell us a little bit about who you are, your origin, both in terms of your, your background with tech, but also just your background in sports cards. And then we, we have a lot to talk about tonight. So 
Yeah. So it, <laughs> it all started as a kid, you know, growing up in, in Westchester County, New York, um, uh, which for those unfamiliar, it's about, you know, it's a county about anywhere between 13 and 30 miles north of Manhattan. So, you know, you're right outside of New York City. And I was the first American born of my family. And so my family's from South Africa and sports for them are a lot different than back in, you know, the, the 50s and 60s is a lot different than sports for most Americans. And so I, my brother and I, my brother's three years younger, also in tech, you know, he, he and I kind of fumbled our way learning American sport um, as kids. And, you know, we, 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 we played them, but our parents weren't super helpful to us because they didn't exactly know how to throw a baseball or a football or whatever. And, uh, you know, just like most kids, you know, growing up in the early 80s, um, you know, there were packs of cards and I didn't want the pack of cards. I wanted to stick a gum. <laughs> and so I would buy the pack of cards just to get the super stale stick of gum for whatever reason. Um, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, I've got, you know, 10 or 12 cards, you know, coming along for the journey. Yeah. And um, in Westchester County, we had this uh, convention center called the Westchester County Center. Um, not exactly the best name, but it is what it is. It's where actually the New York Knicks G League team plays um, yeah. uh, today. Um, and uh, so we would go there, you know, once a month, there was this big card show. Um, my brother and I would go with like, you know, $3 in our pocket, because that's all we had back at the time. And we probably got ripped off by every seller possible, but we had the best time in the world. And, you know, we would we'd try by packs, we'd try by cards. Um, and, uh, you know, growing up, my mother, uh, and even to this day is probably the most neat and meticulous mother there, there possibly is. And, and I have to credit her and I hope one day she listens to this, uh, <laughs> on how she made us clean up and take care of our cards. And she knew nothing about cards, but she knew that at the end of the day, those cards need to go away because she doesn't want to see them. And so she got us like the cardboard boxes and the binders with the plastic sleeves and, you know, and just made, she didn't know anything about them, but she just didn't want them out in the house. And so they went away. And, and so, you know, there's, there's actually one of the little guys. And so, um, so we put them away and, you know, to this day, when they sent me, uh, you know, my boxes of cards, um, they're in good condition. So, you know, thank you, mom. So, you know, that was my, my early life, you know, the, you know, as a kid, probably the highlight of collecting as a kid, I was opening up, I, I got a, my rule was, you know, get a get a good mark on a test. And my grand my late grandmother uh, would take me to Big Top Toys and I'd be able to pick out any toy um, and, you know, within reason. Um, and uh, one 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 year I, I or one, I didn't get many good grades, but when I did <laughs> I went there and I and I got a pack of cards and um, I was opening a classic cards pack yeah. um, and uh, uh I pulled, it was Shaquille O'Neal's rookie years, 1992. And uh, I pulled my first pack pulled autograph. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Like I read about, like I subscribed to Beckett back then. I subscribed to like a bunch of stuff. And I read about all these people pulling autograph cards. And this was like, you know, signed one of 500, I think it was hand signed on the card and congratulations you got a you know Shaquille O'Neal signed rookie card um and you know that got me hooked I was like wow Shaquille O'Neal like held this card and now I have it and here's a signature and mm -hmm. at the time it was worth much more than most of my other cards and you know says Beckett um and so you know I was over the moon 
And then life happened. <laughs> and I got gray hair. I went away for the hobby for about 30 years, um, a long time. And uh, for, I guess, for those that uh, are not watching, I don't know, my son just walked in in the background. Um, and if you saw him, he, he's been going to sleepaway camp. He goes to sleepaway camp along with my daughter, uh, at least for the last six years. And um, every visiting day, he asks us to bring something. And so for the last five years or so, give or take, you know, he's been asking for sports cards. And I, you know, my wife has gone out and bought the sports cards, you know, five years ago. Uh, and uh, and so we've been, you know, bringing them up on visiting day. And then about, you know, 18 months ago, two years ago, you know, two summers ago, on visiting day, I was like, David, you know, what do you have? Uh, and he's showing me like, you know, 2012 Kawhi Leonard. He's showing me like, you know, a 2012, you know, LeBron. And I'm like, all right, buddy, now your edges look terrible. So I got a lot to teach you. Um, but you know, you're doing the right things. And so, um, that's kind of where I got the itch. And then I, we, I have a lot of friends that collect cards. Um, and, um, uh, you know, some are fairly well-known guys in the industry. And we go out to dinner and we talk about, you know, life, but some of the conversation ends up around cards. And at the end of those meals, I look to my wife and I'm like, I should just go buy some, you know, they, they, we talked about these six cards. Let me just go buy these six cards. For the last four years, I didn't do it at all. Zero. But it's one of those things that I can look back and I was like, ah, oh, he was talking about this. I should have probably went and bought that until last November. And so we were, we were out, we were talking. And um, I've been fortunate enough on the business side that, you know, every year we make a bunch of angel investments. Um, and I just told my wife, you know, I'm going to take some money that I've reserved for some tech angel investments and I'm just going to buy some cards. And she looked at me like I, you know, seven heads. And I was like, just trust me. Uh, and, and so last November, um, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to take a thousand dollars and I'm going to buy as much LeBron James as I possibly could buy. Um, and the strategy there was, you know, buy the most modern, best card you can. Yep. Um, and so, you know, about 15 minutes of research led me down to ETOPS. Um, and, uh, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then it led me down to, all right, make sure it's PSA 10 graded. Um, and so I was eight, like back in November, they were going anywhere between 90 and $110. And uh, I put a thousand dollars into it. And I put those away, uh, you know, I got them, bought them off eBay, um, and uh, I put them away. Uh, and uh, um, hold on one sec. Not a good time to be doing that. Can I just take some no. cases? No, oh, take some cases, goodbye. And so- Right on cue, man. He's right on cue. He's casing his cards and banging <laughs> them into the case. Get <laughs> him on the show for the love, my gosh. <laughs> Not a, Take the cases and, and don't come in for another hour. Thank you. Um, and so, um, so just reversing back. So bought yeah. 10 cards last, last uh, November, um, you know, all LeBron James E-Tops, put about a thousand bucks into that. Um, you know, amazingly bought the cards from 90 to $110, um, put them away. Then was on a ski trip in, 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 in January with my family. Um, and it was like one of those rainy days on a ski trip is where you kind of like don't go skiing and you're kind of like lazy and just moaning, moving around the house. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, let me just buy some more cards. And so I went on eBay 
And I was like, you know, I did those 10 LeBron. It's time to do 10 Lucas because Luca's playing out of his mind. He's a rookie. You know, he, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, Chris stops used to be on the Knicks. I think that the Mavs will probably be good. I'm spending a lot of time in Dallas for work. You know, there's just a lot of things that could, you know, are going right there. And so I did the same thing and I bought a bunch of prism and prism silvers of, of Luca uh, and um, like PSA tens and uh, put those 10 away, you know, a thousand dollars in Luca and put those 10 away. Um, and uh, fast then completely, you know, left it um, fast forward to uh, March or April uh, recently. Um, and uh, uh, my wife looked at me, she's like, you remember those cards you bought? You know, sitting around your office, you know, what are the, what are those things doing? Um, and I was like, I don't know. I put them away. Like I'm collecting for the long term. And, you know, I got friends like Gary and Nat and, you know, they're chirping about cards and Nat's Instagram's going crazy. And Gary's, you know, you know, talking about everything about cards and, you know, Darren Ravel's like there are a lot of friends all chirping about cards. And, and I'm like, all right, let me just check the prices of these things. And I looked at the the market value of those ETOPS LeBrons. I was like, my eyes almost fell out and I'm a professional investor. And I was like, whoa, the IRR, like the, in, like the rate of return on these cards versus the price, uh, you know, this is this is legit. And and so, you know, I I sold a handful of them to return the principal <laughs> that I, 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 I know that I, I took from my wife. Uh, and now and then it's been game on ever since. Um, and, you know, I'm coming at it from from I'll stop my monologue in a second, but I'm coming at it from, you know, two angles, one of which is, um, you know, as someone who is in the hobby, you know, as a kid, uh, this kind of reignited the fire and the passion that I have in it. And not on the financial side, because I don't think I ever was able to sell a card as a kid. Mm -hmm. I think it was when my friends came over to the house, you know, it was something to do. Um, and, you know, when it was raining outside and I was flipping through my card collection, it was just a source of, a source of pride and happiness. And, you know, every card, I could tell you where I got it. You know, like I knew that I got it at this trade show or I got it like from this person and there's always a story behind it. And it was just something so romantic about that. Um, and so that's like the majority of like my excitement of the card space. Then I was like, wow, you know, you can actually make a couple of bucks. Um, and, you know, for some people really make, you know, quite a bit with, you know, the right, you know, investments. And, you know, I've primarily been pretty bread and butter with my, you know, personal investments, you know, like American pie, hot dog, you know, and, and you know, stock market, stock market, like ETFs, bonds, you know, munis. Um, but I've been, you know, okay, like open to alternative investments as well. And, and we have a whole bunch, um, you know, my wife and I for the family. And so, you know, for me to understand that sports cards or collectibles in general can be an alternative investment opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, I proved, you know, I proved at least at a little, a little bit to myself. And so, you know, I've taken a portion of our, you know, wealth and, and, and put some into, you know, the, the space. And at the same time, you know, for work, it's where can we invest? And, you know, I, you know, as, as my job, you know, I study markets um, to understand, you know, where are there opportunities to invest? And then once you find a market to invest in, you know, what are the, you know, where are the sectors within that market that get really interesting? And so, you know, this hobby and, you know, personal affection 
has led me into really thinking about this space from you know a professional investor perspective um, and not just thinking about it okay which card do i want to buy or you know what make uh, you know do i do i prefer tops or panini yeah. or upper deck or whatever but you know I, I think we can talk a lot about you know the sectors within this market that are ripe for innovation um, and uh, you know tech platforms and community platforms and in areas that we can make this hobby uh, you know grow a lot more so long-winded answer to your story but that's the setup and uh, I love it no it's excited to be here man well thank you no that's that's good for those that have not read your article on September 3rd you unpack that even more uh, just about your background I think it's, it's pretty fascinating but so two questions that come to mind immediately first off do you still have the Shaquille know that your mom preserved you have the autograph shack oh no no so <laughs> So my brother, <laughs> now, now you're, it's gonna be like my brother's gonna like watch this and scream at me. So, so, um, <laughs> so I was visiting my brother's house and his beautiful family. He's got two little like my nieces and whatever. And I was visiting his house, and I look at he's got like a home office. He's an entrepreneur, and I look at his walls, and I'm like, where did that Cal Ripken come from? Where did that Michael Jordan autograph come from? Where did that, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. autograph come? He had these like eight by tens that were in my room growing up. Uh, and he's like, oh, I went to mom's house. She wanted me to get rid of this, like all this autograph stuff. And he's like, I just took it. And so I figure, you know, I'll take the eight by 10 autographs and you can keep the baseball cards. And, and he is sports card. And, and I was like, okay. And, and I was like, fine. Um, and so I, 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 I took the boxes of cards. Uh, my mom mailed up a lot of them, but I, I, I took them and I knew damn well that there was that Shaquille O'Neal signed card. Yeah. And the first is so I had that in a 1985 Mario Lemieux. And I, I, I took both of them and they had been in these like thick, thick plastic cases with the four screws. Mm. Like these are like, they didn't even have magnetic cases back then. Like, right. Like the yeah. hardcore, like these cards have been in those thick cases for since 1992. I don't know, 18, 1985 for the Mario Lemieux and 1992 for the Shaquille O'Neal. Like they haven't come out of them, and the cases were scratched, but the cards were 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 unbelievably in perfect condition. Wow. And so I put them on eBay, and I I put them on eBay and I sold them. Uh, and they did well, considering my cost basis was like nil. Um, but then my brother calls up like two weeks after that fact. And he's like, remember that Mary Lemieux? Can I get that one back? I'll, I'll send you the Michael Jordan autograph that I have on the wall. If you can send me that Mary Lemieux card. I was like, I just mailed that to like Alberta. Someone from Alberta bought the card. He's like, what do you mean? Someone just bought that card. That was my card. I'm like, no, 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 no. Those autograph eight by tens are now yours. Those cards are now mine. And, and, and actually it's not mine anymore. It's some dude in Alberta. Um, and so I sold them. Um, but I actually kind of wish I didn't, um, because they meant so much way back when. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it was more of the fact that can I actually sell a card? And right. so like, that's what the last like six or seven months have been, which is like dog fooding, like using a tech term that you probably like, you know, in your, your, your world, you know, we're, I'm trying to like, learn and dog food at the exact same time yeah and so like not just like be an investor who like studies the industry like i want to be in it like i have stuff at uh you know consigners 
on eBay, on marketplaces, in, in tokenization for like companies. Like I want to try everything to understand what's working and what's not um, and, you know, do it all. And so, you know, the Shaq and the Mario were eBay sales. Um, so hopefully someone doesn't return them, but uh, I won't be upset if they do. <laughs> Well, the good thing is they're not playing, right? So they can't have a bad performance and, and someone can't return or wouldn't return. I don't know. on TNT or whatever it is, you know, between the games. And who knows? He may put his foot in his mouth or something. There you go. That's right. Yeah. He'll say something politically. But angry. I'm a fan. So, you know, whatever Shaq Diesel does is probably good with me. That's right. That's funny. Um, so, see, the other question was around your son. It was perfect timing when he walked in. So one of the, the dilemmas we always find when we have guests on, we're talking about things is, just the conundrum we're in with the new modern day collecting and then comparing it to really the nostalgia that we had yeah. and how important it was to us. You mentioned the connections you had with each card. How do you feel like you're doing as a dad and really the hobby as a whole is doing is kind of just ushering in a new group of collectors? Like is your son so focused on the return or does he really enjoy collecting cards? Uh, so he's, starting to get to the age so he's 12 right now yeah and he's starting to get to the age where he understands or starting to understand entrepreneurship yeah um but he really appreciates the hobby and um what and why i say that is you know i'd say that cards probably more so than almost you know Video games, computer games, and outside basketball, and then skiing are probably like the four things that, you know, bring, you know, my son and I together in, in, in many ways. And now cards have really come up that list. Yeah. And, you know, he's been extremely open to learning the art and the science of cards. Now, you know, I, and, and the way I, you know, I, I sent him a bunch of stuff to camp, you know, over the years and, you know, every edge of every one of those cards are gone and you know whatever they decided to autograph some of the cards and you know it is what it is but so when we got serious about it and i, and I took them to a card store uh, uh we have like two card stores roughly equidistant from our home and um i took them to one uh you know uh i don't know in april and we bought a box um and we came home and you know i i i used a bunch of hyperbole uh, and, you know, we put on rubber gloves, you know, we, from like what we used to barbecue with, and, you know, we put on our rubber, like fresh rubber gloves, put down eight by 10 pieces of paper, you know, on the table. We basically sterilized like the area. And I literally sat there and showed him how to like rip open a pack, you know, fresh, fresh wax. And, you know, I showed him how to do it without touching the corners and how to pull a card out and then place it down. And, then I like certified him on how to like, I, I watched him open packs and you know, the goal was to teach him, you know, you got to take care of the cards cause you really never know what you're going to pull. Um, you know, you never know if it could be a rookie card or an RPA or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And, you know, you got to take care of it. And then we learned how to put them into like penny sleeves and then the plastic top loaders. And, you know, we did all that stuff and, and, you know, that's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I, you know, because of COVID, you know, one of the biggest blessings of this, and I don't wish it upon anyone, but because of it, you know, I've been home and not traveling. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't put my kids to bed for more than, you know, 10 nights in a row my entire life. And now I've been home for six months. And, hmm. and 
you know, I get to sit with him at night and, you know, he pulls out a stack of cards, you know, that I've probably seen 60 times already, but he pulls out a stack and he's so excited to, you know, go through them. And, you know, uh, you know, most of them are cards that I've gotten that are bases or, you know, something that, you know, like, Oh, I'll take this Russell Westbrook, but to him a Russell Westbrook's a Russell Westbrook, but you know, it's, 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 uh, it is what it is, but um, you know, we go through them and then I'd say what's really been interesting for him has been the Panini app. Um, and so Panini has an app in the app store yeah. that allows you to collect cards. And he is like a photographic memory and he learned so quickly and like, he'll be able to tell you, Oh, that's like a red back card. And a red back card is like a limited edition of this. Or like he learned all about like the origin series or like the court Kings. And like, I, I can't even tell you half the stuff he knows. And he studies that app religiously. And I just find it, you know, amazing that he's being exposed this way. And, um, you know, we do a, uh, uh, a once monthly video chat for card collectors. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we allow is, you know, you bring your kids and um, we do show and tell for the first 20 minutes. And usually like, you know, the mom or the dad will like show some ridiculously cool card and then the kid will bring like, you know, their card in and talk about it. And you have to, talk about it for a minute or two, why it's special to you. And, you know, I think kids getting involved in the hobby is so, so amazing. And, you know, it's how I got in. It's probably how you got in. And, you know, we, we, I think us as, you know, the people who appreciate the hobby, you know, have, uh, you know, a certain duty to, you know, like mentor and grow, you know, the next generation into it so that they can then do it to their generations. And so that's, that's what I'm super excited about. For Hopefully sure. Bring them to the national. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, uh, the national is a whole nother level. No doubt. It's funny as you're talking about your, uh, your, your setup for your, your son and training, I'm thinking of like the ET scene, you know, where they walk in, it's like a test tube into the house. Yeah. Everyone's in suits and here you are with your penny sleeves. And <laughs> yeah. we did it. You know, I, I, you know, All in. you gotta teach them, you gotta teach them. And, and now, you know, he does it. And, uh, you know, all the power to them. That's right. That's right. All right. So let's let's dig into some of the really fun stuff that I'm, I'm really excited to talk about. Um, let's start with a big question here. So what what in the hobby has you most excited right now? So when you say what in the hobby has me most excited, am I coming that, at that as a collector? Am I coming at that as an investor? Let's come with that as an investor. I think it'd be fascinating. So there's a fancy and famous chart that a really amazing original tech analyst turned investor uh, used to show all the time in the digital media world. Her name is Mary Meeker, um, and she's been you know a, a super famous analyst, you know, uh, and she shows this chart of for for digital media and advertising time spent. In, in a medium and advertising dollars uh, supported by whatever channel that is. So there's TV, there's print, there's radio, there's billboards, etc. So it shows like the time spent with each of those mediums. So like how much time we as Americans or global spend with television and the amount of advertising dollars that support the media. And so why advertising dollars is because for most of TV is subsidized by advertising dollars. Uh, 
So what you see is you have all of these legacy channels, you know, all these old school media channels, and the advertising dollars are virtually in balance with the time spent within the channels. Okay. Then you have digital. And what Mary was trying to impress on all of us in the industry was we've got tons of time spent in digital, <laughs> but the advertising dollars are down here. And so the opportunity to innovate and invest is the delta between the current advertising dollars and the amount of time spent. So everything in the middle. And so if you take that framework, which clearly I didn't create, Mary, you know, innovated it, and you know, we have a lot of respect for her. Um, you take that framework and then you look at the, the sports card space. It is almost exactly the same. And so, you know, I was in the video game industry in the early 2000s mm -hmm. and, uh, as an entrepreneur. And when I was in the space, it was like taboo to say you were innovating in video games. Like, you know, you'd be at a cocktail party and people are like, oh, I work on Wall Street or I work in finance and I go, you know, I do this. And people are like, and, and then they're like, what do you do? I was like, oh, I build video games. And they're like, what? They're like, my kids play video games. And I was like, yep. okay. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and little did they know. And then I'd say, you know, if they wanted like, you know, a statistic to wow them, I would say, you know, did you know the video game industry is bigger than Hollywood and the music industry put together? So you take two and then you get this video game world. So I'm sure it's not just your kids playing video games. Um, and, uh, and so then I look at the sports card space and, I, and there, there's a lot of similarities. It's like, oh, I collect sports cards. Oh, my kids collect sports cards. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's kind of in the space of like, oh, you must be an outcast if you, you know, you walk around with a bunch of cardboard, you know, you know, yeah. drooling over these things. And so I love that. And, mm -hmm. and the reason why you like that as an investor is because it's a pocket where not a lot of people are looking. And so, you know, when, when there's pocket, when, when, where, where everyone is looking, that means prices are going up, 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 up. So if you look at like, you know, the stock, the, 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 you know, the super sexy tech companies today, you know, their tech, their stock prices are going up because everyone's looking over there and, you know, and then you've got this in the corner, you've got like the sports card market and a lot of other stuff, but like, you've got the sports card market and there's a ton of interest, a ton of time, a ton of people. And oh, by the way, a market cap of the space that most folks are predicting somewhere in that four to $8 billion range or larger. So it's not like, oh, it's like a $10 industry. It's already in multi-billion dollars of, of transactions and, and, and commercialization. Uh, but there's no innovation. There's no funded innovation in the space. And so all of the innovation, I want to say, you know, 97% of all innovation in the space comes from necessity. And it's, you know, it's like, oh, the best innovation are these group breaks on YouTube or on, on Instagram after nine o'clock at night. And, you know, I want to go do that group break with Paul Wax. And I love those guys. But like, it's a fucking pain in the ass to like, you know, you go in. You go in, and it's not their fault. It's Instagram. Like, you know, yeah. you go into Instagram, you're, you're, you're going into their live stream. It's like, I want to sign up. Now I got to leave. I got to go to Venmo or PayPal. I got to do friends and family because gosh forbid I do goods and services, but I should never want to do friends and family publicly. Uh, and then I got to send it over there. And then they got to like find the transaction. Then they got to green light me. 
Then they got to put me into the break. And then, you know, then they got to go to random.org or whatever, random.com. They got to randomize my whole thing. And then, you know, by the time we're done using seven different apps and, and I guarantee one of them is going to crash at some point during that process, then we do the break. But as a Knicks fan, and I'm wearing like a Knicks fan shirt, if I don't have the Knicks and someone pulls an RJ Barrett, I'm going to, I want to offer that guy or lady some money to go get, you know, that RG Barrett he just pulled or she just pulled. But I can't do that because the chat feed is like going up and down and there's no way to like direct message that person without leaving the break. And if I leave the break, then there's like this whole delay. And so it's like wonky. And so that's just using group breaks as an example. But there's like a million other areas that we can talk about. And so what I get excited about as an investor is what if I like made that 50% better. Hmm. You know, I bet with a little bit of real money coming into the space, whether it's me or somebody else, <laughs> with a little bit of innovation and a little bit of money, you know, we can create like legitimate technology platforms that'll allow anybody in the space to have a better experience. Hmm. And if we can create a better user experience for the seller or the buyer, or someone in between, then we all win. Uh, and and so, you know, rather than like MacGyvering and jerry-rigging Instagram to do a break or like, you know, trying to figure out how to do a break on YouTube and the scrolling like chat, like there are a lot better ways to do that. Or like, you know, um, like, catalog, cat, uh, like cataloging your card, you know, stuff. Like there's just so much opportunity. And so, you know, going back to that Mary Meeker example, you know, there's a ton of interest, very little like, you know, uh, uh, financing of innovation. If we can finance some innovation in the space, I think it gets really, really interesting for everybody. Um, and so that's what gets me excited. That's fascinating. So when you when you say money into the space, um, obviously, that's that's your world. Are you starting to see money start to flow and at least be interested in figuring out how to flow in the right way in the lobby? Is yeah. it hard to convince people? I guess it's a better question. Well, so there's some public money in the space. You know, there's some public companies like Collector's Card and, you know, which right. owns PSA, most of us. You know, so there's some money in that space and clearly people are excited about it because that's trading at a ridiculous multiple right now. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some private money coming into the space, you know, quite a bit. Um, you know, there's two types of private money uh, coming into the space. And when I say private, it's into private companies or into private collections. So there's a handful of areas that I'm seeing sort of money flow into. The first area, which is probably easiest for most listeners to understand, is literally just buying cards. You know, it's, you know, throwing money into, I don't know, graded cards or ungraded cards. And there's, you know quite a bit of money coming into that respective space and we can talk about where that's coming from yeah. the second you know area of money coming into this space is funding some of the innovation so you know uh even just this week i think alt you know one of the fractional ownership platforms uh just came out with axios saying they raised a bunch of money um you know collectible recently who you recently had on as well ezra you know they raised a bunch of money um, you know, there's uh, Rally Road, Otis, you know, they're raising, you know, they've raised quite a bit. So like the fractional ownership space of cards, you know, there's a lot of money sort of flowing into that world um, from investors. 
Uh, and then there's money flowing into other pockets um, of sort of you know, the market map I laid out. Uh, and then the, the really interesting, and I'm not saying good, but really interesting, it's not bad. Um, but the other interesting thing is uh, sort of on the, on the hush hush, there are literally like memorabilia and card funds being created. Mm. And so like groups of investors coming together, putting like $50 million to just buy LeBron cards or $50 million to buy sealed wax um, or like, you know, so on and so forth. And, and you know, um, there's, there's the pros and the cons to that. But, you know, if you look at the, I think like PWCC Marketplace puts out an index uh, and the index that they show, uh, which, you know, take it with a grain of salt is how they've, you know, outperformed, you know, the card wax market has outperformed, you know, most major stock indices. Uh, which is, you know, an amazing statistic when you think about it. And so why wouldn't you go do that? Um, but that means you have to, you know, basically invest in every single hit, which is almost impossible. But, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, there is money coming into the space quite a bit. Um, but most of the money right now is flowing into just buying and selling cards. Um, what I want to see is money coming in to support the infrastructure of end-to-end of buying and selling cards. Um, and that's where I, as a usually a B2B investor or B2B to C investor, that's where I get excited about. Yeah, that's good. That's great perspective. Yeah. And, and coming from my background, right, it's it's all about data and analytics. And we kind of touched on this before we, we started the recording, just how when you look at building platforms right now in the sports car world, one of the massive missing components, the big holes is there's just no standardized data. And even if you look at these platforms that exist right now, some of them are great, right? There's some great tools out there, but there's massive gaps because there's no standardization across the board. It's nearly impossible to get clean, good data. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like, you know, who's going to become the Michael Bloomberg of, you know, the, uh, the sports card market. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the fun thing about the industry is, you know, we don't have clean data. Um, and, you know, that's what makes things, you know, uh, I used to be afraid of volatile markets. Um, and, and, you know, for folks, you know, if I'm using too much finance speak, you know, um, you know, it's. Sorry, I, turn it off. You used it too much. <laughs> I, 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 I used to be afraid of markets that were super choppy. Like if you're if you're in a sailboat, you know, seas that have huge waves. And but it's in those markets that a ton of money is made. Um, and understanding where to invest in those markets is super important. Um, and so you don't need perfect data, you just need directional data. Hmm. And you need to have the data and then use your gut on a lot of that as well. And you know, there's a lot of science to you know, where and how to invest, but at the same time, there's still feel and touch and, and heart. And you know, I personally like to invest in my cards where, you know, the data tells me, you know, these three players and then I'll watch a game or two. Uh, and then, you know, then I will make the decision. Oh, you know, Montrezl Harrell has a lot of heart. You know, you could tell early in the season he was going to be six men. You know, he has a ton of heart. And, you know, the data didn't always show that throughout the season, um, but he did. And, you know, you got to watch it and you got to be a fan. And I think, you know, you can be a financial investor and make some money.
But I think that you can be a financial investor as well as a fan and do even better. And so, you know, that's the opportunity um, is, you know, to marry sort of the art and the science or the love, the passion and, you know, the business, bring it together and then, you know, uh, do some interesting things within the hobby. Yeah, that's good. So we, I talked about this. You mentioned Ezra earlier. We were, we were talking about the similarities between the sports card market and other markets. And there's, there's not a lot to point to. We, we talked about fine art, you know, high-end art. Yep. Sneakers has come up. Yep. In your experience, what what does this remind you of? Does anything come to mind in terms of what it looks similar to? So so we've been around a lot longer than the sneaker market, <laughs> like the, the, the sports card market. Um, uh, and you know, as someone who loves sneakers myself, uh, yeah. you know, there, there are similarities, you know, I think art, art is interesting. You know, I'd say the other one is wine. Um, you know, it's really the alternative assets, um, you know, okay. automotive. Um, and, uh, a reason for that is because these alternative assets, wine, art, cars, um, uh, memorabilia, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they in themselves don't perform. What I mean by that is, you know, you can go look at like, uh, I don't know, uh, a Stingray or a Ferrari GTO or, you know, name yeah. a, a car that's collectible. Um, and they themselves aren't going to put, you know, points on the board. You know, there's, you know, the rarity of the card that plays into it. It's the ownership of the car that plays into it. There's the historical performance, but where it performed is important. Um, but there's a lot of subjectivity to, you know, the, the, you know, the automotive market. There's a lot of subject, you know, the art market is even more screwed up. You know, it's, you know, yes, there's the famous, you know, the 18 famous, like, no nonsense artists out there, like, you know, Salvador Dali or, or, or you know, um, Van Gogh. And, you know, every every artist that everybody, in the, you know, can name. Yeah. Um, then there's everybody else. And, and, you know, why is one artist we've all never heard of trading at like 18 times, you know, some historical artist that, you know, is in textbooks? You know, it, it's, it's like there's so much manipulation in the art market. Now, I'm an art collector. You know, my, <laughs> my house is a ton of art. Um, but, you know, it's a it's it's such a screwed up market. What 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 I find is interesting about the sports card market is that, and I haven't studied it fully, hmm. and I would love to see somebody do it, and I'm and I'm trying to think about how to do it, which is the causations or correlations between athletic performance and card value, um, and I think it has to go beyond just athletic performance on the court. I think it has to go with you know how big or strong is the athletic brand of the player be uh, mm -hmm. on and off the court. So for example, like everyone in the United States knows who Chris Paul is because you know yep. he does a ton of commercials. But I bet because he does a lot of those commercial, those insurance commercials, his cards have some value increase because of that because of his you know, brand awareness and the affinity people have to Chris Paul. Then you take someone like LeBron, you know, one of, if not the, you know, you know, top five, if not number one all-time player, you know, and his cards have shot up in value. Um, but then you take, you know, the historical players, you know, I love like, you know, like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, or Lou Alcindor, 
And you look at their values and some of their values of their cards are lower than some of the current existing players today. And so what I find interesting, and I don't know how to rationalize it fully yet, is there's, you know, there's the hype cycle of cards. You know, there's a hype cycle in any industry. You know, in our tech industry, you know, there's the Gartner hype cycle. It's a curve. And, you know, cards follow a curve. I don't know if it's the same as the tech curve, but there's the, you know, the, you know, players hot, you know, comes into league super hot, you know, everyone jumps on it, you know, like Jeremy Lin back, you know, way back, you know, jumped on him, <laughs> shot down, like went all the way down, like bottom, and then came back up and rode that and then kind of disappeared. Mm. And so I think, you know, from an investor perspective in the sports card space, you know, looking at the data, you know, we kind of follow that hype curve. But the question is, is who sustains post that hype curve? Um, and I don't know who. Um, and, you know, it is similar to other industries, um, but it's, you know, a good guess along, you know, everybody else. You know, the, the one thing that I can probably impress upon there is, you know, investments, you know, in, in physical goods or physical assets, you know, like real estate or other things, you always want to try and buy the best um, because no one ever loses their money for buying the best in real estate. Um, and, you know, best location. Um, and so, you know, the philosophy I had when getting into cards was, you know, who are the top two players that, you know, are no brainers right now. Um, and, you know, you, you can't go wrong. And, you know, that was LeBron and Luca. Um, and, and so, you know, as long as you stay, you know, down the fairway with uh, a good portion of your collection and then have fun, you know, branching out, you yeah. know, on the outskirts, um, and you can actually do it even intra player. Um, you know, you can build a super interesting, you know, collection or asset class or however you want to think about it. Um, but to your point around data, we need it. Um, you know, as a card collector, you know, someone who has, you know, if you have over a hundred cards, how that, how do you manage, you know, your, you know, what your cards are worth, you know, it's, it's near impossible. And, and, you know, there's some awesome platforms out there, card ladder and, you know, market movers and, hopefully when Slapstocks launches and, you know, there's other stuff out there that's, you know, interesting, but the problem with a lot of those, and it's not a ding that I use them, I pay them. Um, you know, the ding though is also, you know, they only have 10,000, you know, cards in their database or, or, or plus or minus. And yes, they're adding additional ones into it, but, you know, I'm a fan of art. You know, we talked about art and, you know, I like the Panini status series. I think it's super cool. You know, there's a lot of color. There's a lot of cool stuff on a Panini status card. But the majority of those databases don't even look at Panini status cards. Yeah. And even if it's a Trey Young rookie card, <laughs> Panini status, you know, they don't do it. Um, and, and so, you know, for me is, you know, that, that offer, you know, as an investor, I smell opportunity there, which is, you know, how do you, you know, and I'm probably, no, I'm not a, an outlier, there's probably a lot of people like me that, you know, invest, you know, horizontally, not just vertically. And so, you know, how do we broaden a lot of that stuff? And frankly, you know, I had to build my own things <laughs> um, to, to get me there. Um, and, and, uh, and other people have too. Um, but there's clearly a market opportunity on, you know, inventory management for collectors or speculators. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some folks building some stuff, but there's quite a bit of opportunity out there. 
Interesting. So many things I want to dive into. And I'm thinking, okay, what do people want to hear most? Because I want to hear about all this stuff. But as you're talking, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, and, and I've said this for a while, like the biggest concern I have about the hobby right now is everything's priced to perfection. And it's just, I mean, every player is not going to be perfect. Most players, in fact, most players aren't going to be perfect. When you're buying the best, you're protected, but there's going to be this massive gap form between the really good stuff that holds its value and how everything else is kind of bottoms out. And there's this gap in there that we're just going to see. And it's going to be tough to swallow for a lot of people if you're not ready for it. Do you think yeah. it's a fair statement? I, I think it's, you know, I think, you know, the, it's similar to, you know, 1998, 1999 in the stock market or, yeah. you know, more recently in the stock market. You know, if you're investing in tech stocks in the late 90s or within the last three or four years, if you lost money, you got problems. <laughs> like, right. like you could not have lost money right. in buying tech stocks in those periods of time. Yeah. And, and my fear is that, you know, there's a lot of money that has come into the sports card market, which has pushed the market higher, higher, higher. And I've seen statistics that have shown this. And you couldn't go wrong, you know, from starting mid-March through May, June, July, like the amount of money that was flowing in was because people were getting returns, returns, returns. But a lot of those people that came in weren't in here, you know, before that. And so they don't know what it's like to go through a down market. And mm. because it's a market, all markets work in cycles. And so, you know, there's there's someone a lot smarter than us that created a physics equation, um, you know, of all actions have an equal and opposite reaction. You know, that's like <laughs> physics 101. And so if something's going to go up, 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 you know, there's enough downforce on that at some point. It's going to come down, 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 down. And, you know, we as kids all grew up playing a game of musical chairs. And everyone loves dancing around those chairs. But you don't want to be the last one standing when that music stops. And similar to investing, you know, you don't want to be holding the asset when that market starts to come down. However, you don't want to hold that asset when the market comes down if you're a short-term investor. So if you're purely doing this for speculation because you think, you know, you need to make a couple of bucks before your next paycheck or you're, you're trying to make a couple of dollars, you know, to, you know, to go do whatever you're going to go do, um, that's where you're going to be most impacted because the market's going to go down at some point. If you're in this for a long-term horizon, mm -hmm. and I'm talking at least four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, and we can talk about length. Um, you shouldn't have to worry about a market going down because all markets will go down and then they'll come back up. The question though, is how much higher do they go back up? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, look at, um, you know, I was talking to someone a lot smarter than me in the sports card space recently about Giannis and his rookie card. And apparently in season, you know, he gets up to about seven grand, um, in a prism, uh, and uh, you know, after this, you know, gets to the playoffs, doesn't go far, happened two years in a row. And then the card trades down to like 3,500 bucks. It's happened twice already. Um, and so, you know, if you learned the first year, then you could have made that trade the second year, if you believed in, you know, one year of data, uh, and you would have doubled your money. Um, yeah. 
and and uh, oh, there you go, <laughs> boom! You have it right there. You queued up right on time. And, <laughs> and and so you know, as long as you're in it long enough, you can make up for that. But you have to have a long-term mindset. And I believe that you know the people that are going to get hurt the most in the sports card space right now are the people that are coming in to make a quick dollar to come out. And, you know, I, I hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, if you study markets of any industry, <laughs> uh, you know, history repeats itself and markets will go up and down. And so, you know, the trick is, you know, stay in it long enough so that if it does go down, it's going to come back up. Just give it time uh, mm -hmm. then you know, get ready to, uh, you know, make your sales or, you know, go buy uh when when you want to um and so you know there you go there's your cycles um and there's a, also a, a great chart uh, i think daily effects actually has one um but there's there's another chart that shows uh um uh cycles by year and what you basically see is that you know the united states financial markets run in eight to ten year cycles um and so if you are in, you know, in finance and you're in the markets and, you know, you're, you're, you're in a cycle, you know, we, we think about right now, the last time we had a down market was, you know, 2008. Um, and, you know, we finally had one, you know, fairly recently. And so that was, you know, a 12 year part, but that was very long, you know, previous to 2008 was 2001. So seven years um, or 2000, you know, it's, it's eight years. And so, and then before that was the early nineties or late eighties. And so, you know, it, it, there, it's a cycle. And as long as you believe in the long-term growth or health of the industry, the market will recover. Um, you just have to have that belief that in the long term it's going to come back. And so, you know, if you're in it for the short term, it's going to hurt. Um, if you're in it for the long term, you know, as long as you, you know, don't get discouraged when the market goes down, that's a buying opportunity. Uh, you know, keep, keep your head on and, uh, you know, enjoy the hobby. Beautiful. Uh, by the way, when you put this on your, I think it was your latest article, you had this this bull market chart in there. It, it definitely opens up your eyes. It puts things in perspective and you can kind of put different parts of the hobby over the last couple of years in these buckets. It's pretty fascinating. It, it, and, and the other one to study is, you know, the Gartner hype curve. Um, mm -hmm. And that comes from tech. And so, you know, a lot of technology companies you can put in, in, in technology products, you can put right on the Gartner hype curve. And, you know, it's, it's almost to a T um, and, and uh, you know, history repeats itself. Why, why, why should the sports market be any more different? Um, yeah. It's not. And, and so, you know, we, we, you know, things may be a tiny bit different, but, you know, we, we will follow other patterns of industry. Absolutely. For, for listening folks, I'll put the links in the show notes for everything that, that Darren's written and obviously these articles that he's mentioning here. So some, some good stuff. Uh, interesting. Okay. So I, I'm curious though, when you, when you think about market cap in the sports car world, what do you think right now is influencing more than anything, the market cap? Do you, do you think it's influencers period? Is it guys like Gary V? Is it supply and demand? Is it sports players kind of taking center stage? What do you point to as kind of like, Oh my gosh, market caps all of a sudden exploding. Well, so when market cap, 
explodes. And, and so definition of market cap, which I'll define, but you can correct me if it's not the definition that you want to do. Um, but the way I would define market cap is, you know, the total value of the overall space. Correct. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, when market caps are exploding, like we are right now in the sports card world, it's not because of one thing. When a market moves a little bit, it could be because of one factor. So with us right now and the exuberance of what's happening in the sports card space, I think it's a handful of confluences that are laddering up to what we are seeing in the space right now. Some healthy confluences and some unhealthy ones. Um, and so what I don't want to become across and what I don't want people to think is I'm a naysayer to the market. I'm not. I'm extremely positive. I'm in. I've hopefully convinced you I'm wearing a New York Knicks shirt. I've been a, a hardcore fan for a long time. But, you know, what we'll talk about, you know, could come across as negative. And I'm a long-term believer in the sports card space. So I just want to state that. So why I think, you know, we're seeing, you know, charts and I can sh and I can send you stuff like, you know, I I've got a lot of data. And, you know, basically, we've basically seen the slope of a ski mountain since March. Um, and a lot of things happen in March in the United States um, and the rest of the world. So there's a handful of things that I believe that are that are affecting. First, and in no particular order, first is stimulus checks. There are a lot of Americans right now that are getting stimulus checks. And those stimulus checks are putting more money on the table than a lot of Americans have had. Or they're putting money on the table that are adding to the gross income of Americans. And now there's some extra dollars that weren't around before. And when you take that plus one of the largest industries in America getting shut down for a period of time that many people love, which is the sports industry, when it tried to figure out what was it was going to do with COVID, People aren't just going to say, all right, sports are gone out of my life. We like sports too much in America to just say, all right, I can't watch it. I got to do something with it. And, you know, where do we go? Well, sports cards. Why not? Uh, and at the same time that televised sports went on a brief hiatus when leagues were trying to figure out what they were going to do, an entire industry that's tied to both televised sports and in-person sports is sports betting. Yep. And betters are betters. If I can't bet on sports, I'm going to go bet on something else. And if you shut down sports betting for a period of time, that money just doesn't go into your pocket and then go buy library books. <laughs> that money is going to the pocket to figure out where else can I bet. And because that money was get the closest thing to sports betting was sports cards at the time, then the market started to see a whole bunch of money. Hmm. And because we had a lot of money moving into the market at the exact same time, we saw the price of individual cards start to rise. And it was money, you know, chasing money, chasing money, chasing money. And so, you know, that LeBron E-Tops that I bought for, you know, $90 started to go to 96 and then went to 98 and then went to 105 and then, you know, 500 and then 600 and 1,000 and then 1,200 and 1,700. 
and probably topped out at 2200. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of the exuberance that we've seen started with some of the stimulus money moving into the space, hmm. compounded with daily uh, fantasy players or sports bettors um, coming into space. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying I, that's what we're seeing. Compounded with last dance and a focus on, you know, the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan being the top sports card to collect before LeBron came around and this renewed excitement around basketball. And then at the same time, basketball as a sport becoming this, I'm going to get a lot of hater on this, but like basketball as a sport becoming the sport for America. Um, you know, baseball hasn't helped itself over the years, you know, ever since the lockout. Um, I'm a Yankees fan. You know, it hasn't helped itself. Hockey has always been a great sport, but it's always been on the periphery. And football over the last couple of years has taken a lot of negative publicity from the markets because of the violence in the sport. I still like football. Don't get it wrong. But it's 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 kind of stepped back in the sense of the premier sport in America. And at the same time, basketball, because of the celebrity athletes, you know, what LeBron has done for the sport, what other folks have done to like not screw up the NBA, um, even though there are a whole bunch of systematic issues, um, you know, it has sort of taken off. And so the confluence of all of these things happening has sort of pushed the market. And so if you like I challenge any anyone listening, go to Google Trends, like Google Google Trends, then type in, you know, football basketball, baseball, and, and, and hockey, and look at how much basketball has spiked over the last year. Mm. And so when we think about sports cards, basketball has gained the most value of all of the sports cards in aggregate. So if you compare sport by sport, mm. basketball has gained the most in value. Now there's probably more baseball cards in circulation because baseball has historically been, you know, America's pastime. Um, but basketball cards, on the whole, versus baseball cards, have gained more like-for-like like appreciation. And so we had basketball coming first. Now, uh, what what's what what I, at least the numbers I've seen is we've tra probably traded off anywhere between one to ten percent of market price of a card over the last forty-five days. And so you know. There's, you know, if you look on Twitter and, you know, or Insta or wherever, you know, if you listen to your podcast on, you know, BenchClear, you know, there's people talking about, you know, the market's cooling a little bit, you know, that actually is healthy. You know, don't freak out. The market can't be roaring all the time. And so it's cooling a little bit. The question is, why is it cooling? And so, you know, you know, people could say, well, football started <laughs> and football is a huge betting sport. Um, and, and so, you know. Are people, you know, getting into the start of the football season the same way they got to the start of the basketball season hmm. or the start of the playoffs in the bubbles? Um, and so that, you know, that's one one area. Um, the second is, is you know, is maybe some of the stimulus money running out at this point for the, you know, the, the, the you know, the, whoever has the check, you know, maybe they spent it and there's less of that to go spend now. Um, and so some of that money may be exiting the market. Um, and so, you know, that could be a hypothesis. Um, and so, you know, with basketball, I mean, basketball ramping down as we get deeper into the playoffs, you know, we're in the finals now. So there's less teams 
less players, you know, on television every night for the speculators who are trading Tyler Heroes, you know, major game or, you know, whoever's major game. You can't do that as much because there's just less players on TV every night at this point. And so that opportunity has now shifted to football. Um, and so, you know, we see, you know, football, but football's naturally a different sport because it's on a lot less. Uh, and, you know, there's more value of football player dollar concentration in quarterbacks than position players because of, you know, quarterbacks get less injured. Um, and so, you know, it's a little bit different. And so dollars are sort of shifting that way. Um, and so, you know, I think healthy that markets cool down a bit. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come down. And then before we know it, <laughs> we're going to be upon the start of the next basketball season, you know, assuming all things are okay. You know, the rumors are speculating, you know, or maybe it's fact, I don't know, but December, January. Um, and, and so, you know, come October, November, the speculation for all the players for the next season, and then we're gonna be back. <laughs> and so, you know, all I got to do is really get through the next 90 days. Um, and, you know, don't look at the market value of your collection, um, but what you should do is probably buy during that time. Uh, and then we go into this, the basketball season again. And, and so, you know, hopefully, you know, the start of this basketball season is at a higher floor than the start of the last basketball season. And if that, and, and, and what I mean by that is, if you were to take, you know, the, the uh, you know, a rookie, coming in in you know 2019-20 season versus 2020-21 season the floor for that rookie hopefully it's gonna be tougher because it's a tougher rookie class this year should be a little higher um or the same card from 2019-20 season you know should be trading a percentage uh higher in the next season um and so if that happens that means the market overall is increasing over time um, hmm. And that we think is healthy and, you know, similar to, you know, United States, uh, you know, economy that trades up over time, um, you know, it doesn't appreciate 50% a year trades nominally, but that nominal is health. And that's what we should see within the sports card space. Interesting. Uh, there's one thing we know for sure. Panini and tops are going to find a way to charge more than they did last year. So we're going to see so that. Are the grading, so are the grading companies now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I think it's interesting because you hit on a point where it's we can't underestimate the fact that we are now in this world of sports cards where we actually do have a marketplace. Yeah. We didn't have it before, and it's hard to compare anything three years ago with what we got now. Um, but yeah. it, what's that? Yeah, your your marketplace comment, like what's different today versus thirty five years ago when I was walking around that county center? Um, yeah, the marketplace today is global. That's an important fact. Because the market is global, that means there are more buyers for any one individual card. Right. If the marketplace wasn't global, the Yao Ming card, rookie, probably wouldn't be that hot. Because the marketplace is global, go look at a 1992 Yao Ming rookie card. <laughs> Try and buy that. Right. <laughs> like, that, is, that is hot. Um, and, and, but that's amazing and incredible and, and amazing in so many ways. Um, and so, you know, we're in unprecedented times where there's more eyeballs and demand for, you know, the cards and, and collectibles. Uh, and, and, you know, it's truly a global sport. And as, you know, our sports leagues penetrate other countries, 
we the more love that we can create for the game, the more demand will be from other countries for these cards and players. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I I love it. I love seeing the maturity play out before our eyes, right? We are we're dealing with cars that have been around for 80 years in some of these cases. And it's like they're just all of a sudden entering the 21st century and trying to figure out their place in the world. Yeah. And I, I get it. It's divisive and people don't want to let go of traditional ideas, but uh, it's a beautiful thing, man. Absolutely. So we get to intersect, like we said, the, the intro, we get to intersect things that we love, multiple facets and do okay. it in a lot of ways. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, all right. So I, I've already noted this. I'm going to have to have you on like two or three times every quarter because we're going to have to talk about different things happening in the hobby because you got an incredible perspective. Uh, but let's wrap this up. And I'd like to do it with a little bit of rapid fire. Um, I'm going to give you six words. You're just going to respond back with the first word that comes to you. You cool with that? Let's do it. All right. CNBC. CNBC. Like CNBC. <laughs> watch what you watch. Okay. Uh, Pomp. Anthony Pompliano. You know the name? No. Okay. I don't know. He's got a great podcast. It reminds me a lot of uh, the interviews. Yeah. Smart. Genius. Smart. There you go. Uh, Mario Lemieux. <laughs> One of the greatest ever. <laughs> the Lion King. Um, Broadway. Oh, nice. I like the parallel. Okay. RJ Barrett. Ah, the future. Oh. <laughs> Blind optimism. Cold play. Incredible business people. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I am, uh, I, I am a big cult. I mean, Adventure of a Lifetime is probably, you know, I think their greatest song. Um, absolutely love that from Coldplay. And, and RJ Barrett, you know, uh, as a Knicks fan, I'm biased, and I've been to plenty of Knicks games, even though I do live in Boston. Every every business trip I can take to New York, I try and catch a game. Uh, but um, uh, I like him. I like him. I think he was overshadowed at Duke, and and um, you know he he's got some you know he's got some game. I, I, I like his his counterpart as long as I don't trade him, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the Knicks can screw up anything, and they will screw up everything. And so I'm sure one of those two will be gone sometime soon. I hope not. Um, but uh, you know I like the new coaching staff coming in to to put some structure around the team. Um, and uh, you know I'm excited for another Knicks season. Um, and you know I'll root for them. Um, but uh, you know they've given me a lot of black eyes over the years. They don't make it easy. <laughs> Are you a buyer of RJ Bear right now? I'm a I'm a, I'm a buyer Mitchell and RJ. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's got to stick by their home team every once in a while. And For sure. I, I like him. You know, I liked him at Duke. Um, and uh, I think he's a special kid. And, and uh, I, I think they can do well. Mitchell Robinson just needs to stay out of foul trouble. And uh, if he can do that, they'll be okay. Um, I had a question for you. Yeah, man. So a question, I know you want to wrap it up. So feel free to do whatever, which is, PSA, there's speculation that PSA has roughly one to two million cards in backlog. Hmm. Beckett, you know, has, you know, their 30 to 45 day turnaround time is now six month turnaround time. 
SGC is SGC. Um, and so what happens to the market when a million or two million graded cards hit the market at, at, at some point? I'm curious on, you know, you, you, you're a collector, you, you, you're in the space, you talk yeah. to a ton of people, you know, what, what, what's your hypothesis on, on when that happens? That worries me. That worries yeah. me quite a bit, not to leave the space, but I worry, you know, it'll depress, but I'm curious on your, your perspective on that. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great point. I think it's going to be funny to watch how this shift takes place from this infatuation with graded base cards, silver, I'll give it silvers or parallels, but you know, base silver, flagship tops, and all of a sudden people realize, oh crap, this stuff was, this is like water. I can go get this stuff anywhere. Why didn't I buy and grade serial card, you know, ser serial numbered cards and short printed cards? And there's going to be this heavy like gravitation towards actual SP cards. And I, I just, you know, I've, I've, like you said, I've done a lot of the grading of base and I am scared to death when this backlog and it's going to catch up soon because they're hiring like crazy right now to catch up. It's going to be pretty nasty. Uh, it's be pretty I, nasty. I do worry about that. Yeah. But at the same time to our marketplace comment, that's the beautiful thing about it. Like having a tradable, like very liquid asset, I think makes it really fun, right? To know I that do. there are 10,000 cards out there that are moving and shaking like that. Absolutely. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all having a good time. Yes, we are. And that was a great conversation, Darren. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Ty, appreciate you reaching out, man. All right. Have a good night.